If you just said this, right? I have to go out hard and another hundred be your candidate. I'd, I, I, <laughs> you said saying, that. What I'm saying is, I'd have to take out. Okay, I'd take out Conor Whelan then. Conor Whelan I, have to be. That's it. I quit. Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. All right, what a weekend of hurling awaits. Leinster final on Saturday evening. Galway against Kilkenny. Shefflin against Cody, part two. And then on Sunday, Semple Stadium anticipation. Well, it is sky high for Clare against Limerick. A four o'clock throw in in that one. Eddie Brennan is in studio. How are you keeping, Eddie? Oh, good, Nathan, yeah. Busy out. We've just been talking off air about... Uh the frantic nature of our lives and I was just thinking it's <laughs> brutally unfair in this country the standards of coaching when you're looking after the hurlers down in is it what's, what's the club Craig? Greg Greg Bellicellon yeah and, uh, and me who never picked up a hurl in his life is somehow trying to teach eight-year-olds down in St. Jude's the poor Dublin hurlers no resources whatsoever <laughs> me, and, and you're on one side and we're somehow meant to compete in 20 years time oh there's nothing poor about you at all in well, give, me, give me some tips that I can bring back uh, <laughs> loads what are you pa- teaching them down in Kilkenny at, at eight, nine years of age a big bag of patience that's what we need <laughs> That, uh, yeah look it's busy it's a different kind of busy but it's enjoyable I suppose um, I think definitely what it, it does teach us is patience and having to taper back your your uh, your expectations um, on, on, on what it is for young lads you definitely at times it frustrates you a little bit but it comes back to I suppose them and, and where they're at and I think definitely there's times I've had to kind of come back down and say look they're just enjoying things and you want I suppose you want them to be as good as they can be but at that age uh, young lads are just there for the the bit of enjoyment and if they're tidying things up and they keep coming back that's your job really so um, there's a bit of pressure on Eddie Brennan's kids I'd say around the place no thank God (laughs) um, yeah look it's enjoyment more than anything else because I uh, when I was growing up I had no interest in hurling really in primary school and I often right. used, I used to yeah no you're not in every day with the hurl in the no, hand I used to hide it at the gate yeah this <laughs> funny story really uh, it, it went to a point where my mother used to have to follow me out to the gate when I was getting the bus and make sure that the hurling helmet got up on the bus with you because I used to leave it at the gate and uh, pick it up on the way in and yeah oh yeah we had a great match today at school and it's that kind of crack so and why weren't you keen? I don't know. Um, just wasn't at the time, and um, it definitely it was it was probably a slow burner from from that point of view. But um, I think it was more uh, we landed up to, to the cousins one day, and my mother's sister was able to announce, "No, he doesn't play hurling at all." And the mother nearly fell over. But look, bit of crack in the end. But I suppose the the, the moral of the story is uh, you definitely can't force it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So what age were you when something just clicked? Uh, probably about 17 or 18 really yeah it was wow. I yeah you enjoyed it you loved it because I was in Kieran's. I can definitely say I was probably a hurler on the ditch a little bit more I used to go to the matches uh, with my uncle uh, Kieran up to matches in Dublin and we'd visit our cousins out in Brogue there and that was how I suppose you, you went to the matches and you enjoyed as a spectacle and yeah. you'd talk a great game at the time I definitely did I wasn't really um, driving into it as hard but I think the year minor with the club in 1996 we, we won the minor championship in Kilkenny and it probably that was the year that the, the it started to drop for me a little bit or and we won Kilkenny teams under 14 no, under 15 no, or 16 no, no. never up along it was, it was gas um, I think Martin Comerford a little bit of 14 but uh, myself Derek and Martin Comerford uh, didn't up along and even we'll say the 21 team that I met in 99 you had Derek Ling was a sub that day and Martin Comerford and John Hine were I think untogged out subs and when you look at what the three of those achieved we'll say with Kilkenny afterwards so um, yeah there's definitely I suppose a little bit of a bolter if you like yeah. but, um, Jeez, there's a big lesson in there isn't there because the pressure like we're all guilty of putting pressure on the kids and particularly I'd imagine a county like Kilkenny where every kid it seems goes to school with a hurl that if you're a kid who's not going in and not enthusiastic and not buzzing about it and wanted to follow their heroes there'll be a temptation to, to sort of write them off yeah, there there is, and sometimes, look, even with uh, I suppose the the research and the science shows, look, certain if they haven't certain skills picked up by the time they're eleven, or you haven't eradicated maybe the bad grips or whatever, mm. that sometimes it's very hard to change that. And I think I heard a story that Wayne Sherlock, I stand to be corrected on this was left hand on top and somebody changed him at 17 which is just unheard of really I think in, in skill acquisition but yeah there probably is uh, I think even there's a clatter of us off our team we'll say as I refer to Brian Hogan Henry Derek Ling and all our young lads now all our chaps are all in the rounds that 
9, 10, 11, 12 mm. bracket now you know so it'll be interesting to see what comes <laughs> online I think we're starting to pass each other on the sideline um, you know and oh, where's your lad playing and you're hoping oh, right. be at the other end of the pitch away yeah, from yeah. each other but, um, the competitor comes out and you're, but no for me personally from my experiences I think yeah you want them to go and enjoy it you want them to be as good as they can be but I definitely know that you, you, you definitely can't force it and you have to let them take to it in their own time um, I see particularly with my second fella now Simon um, he just a little bit more relaxed about it and just slowly but surely he's he's getting more into it so I don't know what what works exactly hard and fast but and were you playing other sports when you were a teenager not really no um, we used to just it was going to matches it was going to matches with your parents my big memory of a young, being younger was going to the tournament matches was the big thing years ago because obviously the county could have been finished early enough mm. but the going to tournament matches we'll say obviously Tommy here and myself are neighbours the Tullerone tournament and the pattern day on the 15th of August was a big day out but e- equally the match that would be going on on the main pitch in Tullerone the Tom Hogan Cup there was young lads of all ages playing a match behind the goal and that could have been equally as competitive <laughs> and it was just it was a bit of crack but I suppose that was where we picked it up because yeah. there wasn't a huge amount of underage matches now whereas now there's, there's actually under 11 schools competitions going in Kilkenny um, little goal games as well and there's lots of games for them but definitely a lot more than when we were playing yeah Jeez, that's mad. Yeah. <laughs> I just assumed you were all eight years of age and if you weren't morning, noon and night, there was no, <laughs> no. hope. Probably the, the, the I, I suppose, my, going from my experience, my own father was was big into it and hurling with the club and again, he would push and they, they wanted you to... Yeah. It, it is like, am fo- I going to be getting a load of texts in saying, ah, now he's no, no, it down completely no, and you're <laughs> You were the star man in the club at 12, 13... No, definitely not. A hundred percent, I wasn't. Um, I would have been. I wouldn't have even been in the top ten. I'd say, but um, the hurling field was the focal point of the club too, yeah. and the parish. It's, it it just is that way. It's it's the socialising, and you know, my memories of growing up were like going to those tournaments and having a bit of crack at the matches and then being rounded up afterwards and heading home and you'd stop off somewhere on the way home and whatever the you know the ice creams or the chips or whatever and that was just our memories of of when we were growing up and that's how I suppose little by little it's it's drip fed into you because we didn't have like there wasn't uh, under nines under sevens under elevens up Mm. along there wasn't the age groups there that there is now so under 13 was really uh, primary schools when you got to an age but we were lucky in the primary school we had you know in St. Aidan's and Kamana the, the used to be, if you were old enough to, to play then in the mini leagues we'd say we had six teams at lunchtime and to be a little mini league so sixth, fifth maybe fourth and even third sometimes if you were lucky enough and there'd be a mini league and everyone would play each other and there'd be a table and then to whittle its way down to a final and it was just it was brilliant it was probably conditioning as far that and our primary school as well we'd a, we'd a, we hadn't a great record when it came to winning under 13 Rhinays in, in Kilkenny but we got to 12 county finals in a row which for a rural club was, was a big achievement to go up yeah. against the city club so I, I, I wish there was video of these Tullerone tournaments yeah it was <laughs> they sound epic they were epic <laughs> I, um, I, I have in my head it was probably a bit too early I have in my head the Cody be down there taking notes even at that age ah, yeah, I'll use this lad in six years time now <laughs> no I think he was busy probably re- recruiting his own lads inside in the De La Salle because <laughs> uh, CBS and the De La Salle were the big teams in Kilkenny at primary school level and then they obviously broke into James Stevens and Dixborough or whatever so uh, no it definitely wasn't there was no recruitment at that stage but um, the, the parish rivalry was it and it just grew from there It sounds like you, you had a real love of, of hurling though of the game and the day and you know a lot of memories of travelling to matches and big days and the crack around it and all that were you able to maintain that enthusiasm for the stuff around the 70 minutes as you started playing as it started becoming serious yeah probably not um, that, that was what I was kind of that's as you said that's where you got hooked on it really because you had a love for looking in from the outside and like like I said earlier there I, I didn't play underage with Kilkenny so there was, a, there was obviously an element of craving that maybe and, and that's where you know you were you were mad to get a chance or whatever and I wasn't good enough I make no bones about it I just wasn't good enough and equally I didn't get the opportunities but I wasn't um 
I wasn't as competitive as I needed to be I tended to hang, hang around the edges a little bit and if the ball popped out well right. and good you'd take advantage of, of the loose play and um, it was only probably in the last year when I was maybe 17 I think we played a league final out in Callan against uh, Dunham Magan who were the county champions in 95 and I went well that day and I just maybe kicked on from there and we'd, like I said we won the minor championship with the club in 96 and it just springboarded from there really and I got an opportunity in St. Kieran's under Dennis Philpott and but uh, no I absolutely loved hurling and probably maybe loved talking about it too much more than playing it <laughs> but I used to enjoy the trips to Dublin to my cousins and uh, heading off with the uncle I was lucky enough you know the parents you know they let me off to, to go with the uncle and we went up instead overnight on a Saturday night or whatever and um, as you got older and you do you miss that yeah. I, I definitely you miss that side of it because that's where you, you get a sense of the passion for it from, from supporters and there in the hill and the uncle made a point of mixing with kind of the Wexford and the Offaly lads and we used to have great old banter now to be hot and heavy <laughs> but it was always enjoyable like yeah, I yeah. think we, and he always made a point of oh sure look safe home and you know having the bit of crack with them so that's yeah, good to have yeah. that seared into the brain as to what it means to people when you are successful then yeah no it does and, and, and I appreciate it I think more than that else when the opportunity came and I distinctly remember Brian you know the phone call landing at home and the mother coming running out I was poking the ball against the gable end of the house I think I was on the 21 team at the time and uh, she says oh Brian Cody's on the phone and I was like really Brian Cody is ringing me you know I I, I, I dismissed it this because I said landline only back in yeah, the day yeah <laughs> landline only fell short of the postman arriving with the letter but um, and was and Brian I, a small talk with the mother kind of guy uh, I don't know but I'd say they probably colluded at stages during the career anyway <laughs> um, what do you say just literally we're having a, there's a match the weekend or we're having an internal match and we want you to come in and have a look at you and I suppose in my head I start doing somersaults thinking could I just get into the panel for the All-Ireland in 99 I was away with the fairies and that thinking but I genuinely thought you know does that it's like uh, dumb and dumber so you're telling yeah. me there's a chance and uh I thought, geez, it'd be great to go in. But I just was probably bowled over with being able to go into Nolan Park and the run-up to the All-Ireland in 99 and just watch the team playing. And you're looking at Charlie and Henry and DJ in the full forward line. And you're just in awe, really. Um, and what are you thinking? Are you looking at them three going, I'm a million miles off this? Or actually, I can now see the path I need to go on to get to that sort of level? Um, we're probably rethinking where I want to play <laughs> because <laughs> you're saying how do you get in there cornerback looks handy yeah so just maybe I'll have to look at somewhere else maybe go around the middle um, no but you you looked at them they were the like as a young lad growing up sure you're reared on DJ and Charlie mm. and you know all the senior lads you know obviously our own club were, were starting to be prominent and we had a couple of lads Dennis Bourne and Adrian Rowan were involved with the with the county team so you looked at it that way but um, yeah look it was it was definitely a pinch yourself moment because I never in my wildest dreams and again based on having not made the county up along you just don't think that that's going to land there but you actually really really dream about it um, and you, you, you want it to a degree but I remember just distinctly that nice comment and I was marking Sean Mealy from Castle Cone who's you know a gas ticket and I was marking him that night and I was a little bit casual with it all because I was just on cloud nine whereas he was you know he was cleaning me out because he was competing for a place and I remember just commenting to him at one stage it was these unbelievable scores unbelievable movement and I remember saying to him geez they're going fierce well and he said yeah nearly too well and in later years I remember Peter Barry commenting that if we were doing an internal match, he rather that real dogged, rough, right. low-scoring internal match because then he said, "Right, we're we're ready now." Whereas these exhibition matches in training meant there wasn't intensity there, so um, it wasn't going to be a reflection of what was coming at the weekend. No, it wasn't. And in fairness, look, we 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 ended up. I remember being on Hill 16 watching that All Ireland, mm. getting absolutely soaked wet. But my overriding feeling coming out of that match was right we have next weekend we have the 21 All-Ireland was you know it was the old, old older way where the 21 All-Ireland was the week after yeah, yeah. the senior All-Ireland and I remember we were just incredibly focused and uh, we had a good crew of lads and straight away I was fierce disappointed for the lads because you had maybe got a little small little peep in 
and you were very disappointed for lads because they're after losing the previous year and we you know the, the killing thing was we had the club captain at the time we had won the county final in 98 so Dennis Bourne was captain and it would have been a brilliant thing to be able to get Liam McCarthy you know into the club yeah. that was obviously the, the big thing at home in our own club the ju- just to stick with this then as you're moving through the career how long till the sort of imposter syndrome is gone till you're sitting in that dressing room and you're like actually I'm, I belong here um, probably 2002 really is when you got catapulted in there a little bit through the league with a good league campaign with a really young team I think we won that league uh, Sean Dowling and Brian Dowling got two points to, to snatch the league off Cork in 2002 mm and uh, it was kind of then that you felt right and again I go back to Peter Barry he was a guy who one evening I just distinctly remember him putting the arm around the shoulder and saying you know you need to stop admiring lads now and stop being happy just to be here you have to kind of go after a, a spot now so it was when that maybe penny dropped a little bit and you start getting games but um and 2002 was you know while I went had some decent performances you were still Inconsistent, really. You were up and down, up and down, and 2003 then was the year that I read played really, really well. But uh, calfed in the All Ireland final, definitely got distracted in the run to the All Ireland final. Yeah. yeah, no, I was. It was. It was going quite well up to that point, and I just went a little bit off the boil. It was just, I suppose, you distracted. Just you knew you were after having a good season, and in some ways you're starting to think ahead, and you're hearing some of the talk, and it's gas. Look, this, at that stage, you know, all stars start being talked of, and yeah. all different things. And I, I, look, I'm, I have to be honest about it and say it. It did get in on me a tiny bit, thinking right, if I play well here now, I'll, you know. What? Whereas you don't just you hadn't. I hadn't the experience then of the psychological strength that you need to stay doing what you're doing shut out all the external factors that don't you know and I just op- I just relaxed a little bit I think is even the word maybe that you just uh, you allowed yourself to go as Brian often you say just don't go soft now in that you just stay focused on what, what we're about but look you, to be honest you don't care because we got over the line you quickly put that to bed but in the winter then you just uh, you reflect on that and you use it as ammunition say look can't let that happen again or you want to be stay going that you get those consistent performances right through and see the year out Can I ask you then about the peak of that Kilkenny side and maybe hooking it back to present day and where Limerick are right now and almost this air of invincibility that is around that group and it's something we talk about from the outside but a belief that internally in Limerick that they're not thinking like that that actually you know they're still as driven as ever they're trying to get into an underdog mindset when they're going into matches did you feel invincible 08, 09 was there a sense of actually you know we are the best team by far in this country I know you'd never say it out loud yeah, in the yeah. dressing, but did you feel actually we are ahead of everybody else and if, if we just turn up and we perform we're going to win this game yeah we knew we had you know we had a, a massive bunch of guys and we had huge competition with. I think it was it was almost a combination of fear and confidence because there was a fear of losing your place and you went into those nights inside Nolan Park that, you know, you knew a week and a half or two weeks out, you were able to pick out the dates that you were going to have those internal matches. So that was where you had to fight off the competition for your spot. So you, you knew yourself. And I had spent, if you know, a few years where you were taken off and, you know, whatever, you were winning your jersey back and then a few years on the sideline looking in. And, you know, deservedly so. There was, there was I remember, 06, a bunch of young under-21s came into our squad and they threatened to take the jerseys literally over. And, and that's the way you wanted it from Brian's perspective. But... Um, once I got the little bit of sulking you know, you know I was naively thinking oh yeah sure I'm an established player now and it was silly t- thinking afterwards but you had to fight for it and then there was almost the confidence that and I often heard Brian saying to us what we've experienced in here in a, in a training environment you know it's it's gonna you're gonna be ready for championship matches and hence why maybe there was those matches where the whistle was left in the pocket and these were much talked about but they were hot and heavy but there was still never really a huge amount of stupidity the odd little bit here and there but by and large it just conditioned you was that a test in itself like was what, oh, yeah. what happened with when there were stupid moments and someone just pushed it that bit too far would Cody would Cody step in oh yeah no I often heard him saying like saying to lads there's no place for stupidity and that was the reality but there was it was almost um, 
there was almost um, I suppose a, a, a real satisfaction in having those matches where you got absolutely bet us under or you know physically demanding matches intensity competitiveness you knew then you were ready so you were going home and there was almost a satisfaction in the soreness which is like and all players I think can re- relate to that that you're coming out of matches that internal matches and you're wrecked and you're even going oh I don't think I played that well but it kept you sharp and it kept you scrapping for your place and like you said there come back to finish that point yeah we were confident that I think there was a confidence and a belief in us and Brian just built that into us and just embedded it in us there's no one there's no one to touch you in terms of hurling but it's ultimately your attitude and how you approach matches is what's going to define you and we did we I think even we heard one day we went down to Wexford early 07 or 08 I think it was 08 we played them in a league match down in Wexford Park or a Walsh Cup match and we heard afterwards you know I think the lads were talking we were asking Tim we were after doing three years of gym work at this stage so there was always the hurling side of it was what you know I think people would say was maybe the traditional difference but once you brought the conditioning into it and I think it was maybe Henry or someone commented that that day he said you know in Wexford Park he said you could see the three years of conditioning on us then like we were literally pushing Wexford lads out of the way and we were holding them up in the tackle all the time so in some ways you kind of go okay so we are you know how you know there was mm. that aspect was there so it just gave you more confidence in yourself and and uh, when you go out and you go well then there's just that belief and I think I see that now I can relate to that I, see, I think I see you see that in Limerick now they back themselves every time um, and I go back to 09 then when people start getting really close to us and we got frights you then had times in matches where individuals stepped up and uh, you know particularly 09 Larks just went mad there coming down the straight against Galway and Tullamore when we were put to the pin of our collar and he shot four points and that got us over the line Martin Comerford in Leinster final in 09 picked off two goals to beat Dublin by seven points when Dublin really had our number that day so mm. um, so do you look at do you look at Limerick and listen sport doesn't work in these sort of straight lines where the history doesn't matter that much but it'd be easy to make a comparison and say maybe 2021 for Limerick was there at Kilkenny's 2008 and then there's a year on where teams probably in terms of the strength and conditioning have followed the path of Limerick are starting to catch up a bit but maybe individually skill wise they still have enough do you feel that that's the trajectory that this Limerick team are on or are they still on a, actually the best might yet be to come yeah it's hard to know and, and that's the thing that, that probably has us all really intrigued and looking forward to seeing you know what they're capable of but um, I think what's what's really admirable about them at the moment is that despite some of the big injuries they've had they're still answering the questions you know and, and when you talk about needing a squad well more than ever their squad has been tested this year and I think last year yeah you, you, you couldn't but stand back and admire how they performed in that All-Ireland and how well they played and again I, see, I do see similarities now this year I think it's only natural that teams will start looking at them and after two or three years now of having to look at them and they are the benchmark and, mm. and rightly so you're now saying okay they're finding ways to maybe figure them out a little bit and, and one of those ways I look at is even we'll say you know early doors you look at you know to, to some of the guys like for for example Barry Nash is a, a preferred first receiver of puckouts. Tipperary targeted that and they basically said to Limerick you're not having him as a short puck out recipients in that match and it was only you know as the match wore on he picked up a few and he still had such an effect on the game so teams are finding ways to get at them but to be fair to them you have to give them great credit and you know they are under the microscope now for for different reasons it just comes with the territory of being champions is Canerk such a such a brilliant coach that he looks at that what Tipperary did to Barry Nash and within a couple of weeks changes tactic from the puck out Barry Nash is no longer the first receiver or even for a couple of games they move away from him so suddenly yeah. you've got two options like, is, is that the sort of evolution you see quite quickly from a coaching point of view from, from Limerick that they can respond to that when teams figure little bits out yeah I, th- I think Limerick are at a place now and, and I think when we talk about the word trust and, and, a, and a coach or a manager is building that in players like that's not something that oh he's a great he was a great player so we automatically trust him I think what's after happening is Paul Canerk has, has has demonstrated to them by sticking with what he's trying to get them to do. They trust him completely and now they trust each other completely. Um, I was down in Nolan Park in 2017 and I seen the kind of 
and I spoke about this before the, the prototype that, that Paul Kinnerk was trying to get these guys to do and he was on the pitch in Icebit that night and you could see glimpses of things working other things where the lads weren't fully executing whereas now you know he has polished that up and on your point I think it doesn't I don't think you can probably adjust that and fix that in a week but I think when you're at a stage like Limerick Art they have so many options like there's not just you know Tom Morrissey doesn't make a primary run and then stand up he makes a secondary run he's also thinking right I've made the run to drag a defender out of place now where can I influence it now what's my next job and I think they're very good at that they don't dwell on a mistake either I think you know and the example I used of that was last year in the semi-final I think Jack Fagan is picking off a point for Watford and the camera was on him and you're kind of going oh and if I was marking Jack Fagan in my time you'd be like oh no he's after getting a point off me so there's almost a psychological effect whereas next thing play went back on the camera came back onto the action and there's Tom Morrissey picking up the ball on the other side of the pitch and he's putting the ball over the bar so that that to me is a brilliant thing that they're not even dwelling on the play that has just happened mm. they're straight away onto the next thing and I think to finish that point what you're saying about Limerick okay if one thing is not working we have other options so you look at the day against Tip where Tip forced them to maybe not use Barry Nash or not use Dermot Burns mm. they were then able to go along and get some returns out of that up the field so you have someone like Garrod Hegarty who can take ball high or low or whatever way so they have the options and I think they're so experienced now and they're so at ease and comfortable with how they play they don't panic when it's not going wrong and that is the ultimate probably endorsement for the likes of Paul Canerk is that the lads aren't panicking and I think for a coach you don't want your players looking out to the sideline going how do we fix this they're able to fix it themselves and maybe at half time now you can, you can tidy that up uh, indulge me while you're in studio <laughs> uh, while we're playing a bit of fantasy hurling and we'll come back to the uh, the Munster final and the Leinster final uh, while we're talking great Limerick great Kilkenny teams if if fantasy hurling were to put the two generations together and we're looking at matchups and how they would play out so Kilkenny are playing Limerick <laughs> and you're sitting down Cody's putting it together who's picking up Aaron Galan JJ uh, oh, it's a hard to pick I'd probably send yeah I think JJ from, from a cuteness perspective but equally I think uh, I, I'd possibly send Jackie on him why? Ah, he'd poke the bear a little bit I think um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Jackie would bring something a little bit different um, I, t- I think so you're saying JJ would be happy to go 70 minutes straight fight with Aaron Galan whereas Jackie try and just rile him up in the first few oh yeah no he'll, he'll test him every which way but like again I suppose I've, I've, I've had the privilege or the misfortune of marking both of them repeatedly in training and they presented different challenges but um, yeah I, I personally I would always class for me JJ was pound for pound the best defender I've seen because the brain was always engaged and he was so cute about things he'd done but yet he never got drawn into silly stuff either or he didn't have to go down that route he just was able to um, outthink his opponents but I think I think Jackie is really that you know I suppose a little bit more in your face but from marking him as well I think Jackie is the guy that really plays on the edge and when I say that now I'm not saying stupidly he plays on the edge and that he will go that step in front of you and he broke my heart so many nights in training he would play in front of you because he knew that's where the ball is coming and whereas if you're going to receive the ball over the top so with how Galan plays and that he hangs back sometimes I'm probably going to go with JJ if, if push comes to shove I think JJ or maybe do you know what I'll actually I'll split it <laughs> I'll put Jackie on him in the first half and JJ on him in the second half <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, who's picking up Keen Lynch oh Jesus Keen Lynch um, hard to know um, I think you need someone probably really I think disciplines I'll go a little bit left field I know Brian Hogan would have played out there but I think he's a guy that would be maybe maybe made for Noel Hickey because I think Noel Hickey would have such focus and such discipline that he would stick to him right through the match and I think Keen Lynch is not the kind of guy that I think you want dragging the lad out of position I think you need him on the ball so therefore you need someone that's going to deprive him of the ball and right. really stick to that so I I suppose it depends where he plays and he does play out the fields but uh, if I was looking for someone to really nullify him and say listen I don't want him getting his hands on the ball it's probably Noel Hickey Is Garrod Hegarty too big for Tommy Welsh to go near? No <laughs> definitely not um, Tommy was always able to pair lads down to his size <laughs> when he was marking them 
hard to know um, you're probably looking at someone that's that's maybe able to be you know you have to be mobile you have to be able to go all over the place um, oh Jesus I, I don't know um, I think Tommy I'd, I'd rather have Tommy in the game than following someone around like right. that I'd possibly send Brian Hogan I think you maybe go height wise you'd probably say listen he can he can match him height wise he can physically compete with him I'd probably go with Hoagie and Hegarty uh, What about down the other end of the pitch then who, who do you think is picking up Eddie Brennan Oh <laughs> You can leave me out of this Jeez <laughs> um, I don't know Who of them Limerick lads You'd like to mark um, You wouldn't like to see Sean Finn coming at you anyways No probably not um, He's he's really sticky um, He's he's pound for pound Probably as good a defender As there is At the moment In that regard mm. um, But um, I don't know You'd You'd like to think Maybe that's uh, Barry Nash is such a good hurler that maybe you'd be able to go toe to toe with him because you'd say well if I can hurt him with one or two it might keep him honest right. but as a as a forward there's nothing worse than watching your man tearing up the field with the ball I would hate that I would break my heart with that stuff so break Cody's heart yeah it would definitely I'd probably Mike Casey because he'd stay beside you <laughs> <laughs> he'd like the battle what about Henry uh, Henry sure I would probably I'd probably throw him out on Dermot Burns. Um, yeah, the, the 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 thing with Henry was he was always our central player, maybe. But I'd love to put him out on someone like that because I think he forces the guy to maybe defend a little bit deeper, whereas Burns really loves to go forward. Um, he's able to defend, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think it would be just an intriguing battle to see because um, Henry does like to work. I think that was his calling card as a player. He loved to work and he loved to overturn a fella. So I think you're looking at maybe saying... Burns doesn't pass the 65 you have to stand him up and keep him back so what's the wild card then what's, what's, <laughs> the, what's the one area that Limerick team you're looking at going we got somebody here that can do some damage um, I think the wild card would probably be Larks I think I'd use Larky maybe on someone like Dan Morrissey I think he he would um I think Larks had, you know, just such a clever hurling brain. I think what you don't want is someone like him uh, being nullified in the match. I think Larks can be very, very subtle about what he does. But I think it's, you know, Dan Morrissey is, you know, such a big physical presence. But I think, and strong in the air, but I think that's where Larks gave a lot of lads trouble. He was so unorthodox in the air, the way he was able to attack a ball. What way? just he was always able to kind of attack you from the blind side and even you know it didn't matter what way he came through the air he was always able to get his hand right. on it and I just see him I think over the years a few defenders really struggled with him like 08 I think Tony Brown really struggled with him um, and I just think because he just plays a little bit different than, than most guys I think he's he's a hard guy to shut out of a match so I think maybe maybe Larks would be the, the wild card there or maybe you, know, you could always throw Larks through the middle I'm obviously uh, sort of obsessing about the brilliance of the Limerick players there and you know you think back you face a great Cork side at the end of their cycle a Tipperary side who were coming for us would Cody have obsessed about Limerick this way with that Kilkenny side would he have been going through individual Limerick players looking at the matchups like that or would he be still we're going to play our own game here lads no to be fair to Brian he always he always focused on us he was you know the only time I kind of really heard him, you know, picking out maybe an opposition player was, you know, 11 against Tip where, look, we detailed, I think our backs were all given, you know, you're looking after, like, Noel Hickey went after Owen Kelly, JJ, you know, was, I think, John O'Brien a full forward, and then you had Jackie going on Lar. So there was a few specific matchups. But other than that, I think he always, you know, he said it's it's up to yourself to, you know, to some ways know who you're facing, know their strengths, know their weaknesses. But ultimately, he was very much on ourselves. So, and I have to say, like, that was one thing I can say hand on heart. He never, ever picked out an, an opposition player and singled them out for special treatments. Right. It's one thing I have to say, you know, because I think we, if you're approaching, if I'm sitting approaching it, you might think, okay, maybe push that lad's buttons just a little bit. I mean, that's just part of the, yeah. part of the, the 
I suppose the the button heads that that goes on sometimes. But I have to say, it's one thing with him. He never ever, you know, he never wanted an opposition player to get special treatment because I think he looked at that and viewed that as distracting from your own game. So it was a waste of time. Whereas the ball was everything, and once you're focused on the ball, then your own hurling comes into play. Whereas otherwise, you're just involved in, in silly stuff, maybe. What about his own head, Cody? Then heading into a game like this against Galway with all the fallout that came from the handshake with Henry and listen I don't know if we'll ever really know known the two personalities involved as to what happened and how serious it was and how it'll uh, how it'll go on until this weekend but do you think is Cody the type who actually because of the way that the Galway went about that game the controversy at the end that like there'll be a different Cody in training this week because it's Henry and Galway Maybe um, I don't know because we're just surmising on on all of that, and and there's no doubt about it. The the sideline will probably get a, a bit of attention on Sunday, but you don't I think, think they'll go down the Nicky Brennan route and a big public shake hands <laughs> on the halfway line in front of everybody. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I, I think that's part of the intrigue for Saturday yeah. night. We're all waiting to see, but I think Brian is. I'd look at this stage he's experienced enough to know that what's the important thing for Saturday night the important thing is that Kilkenny were short uh, ultimately short and while one point maybe you say God they could have got a draw I mm. think hand and heart I can say I don't think Kilkenny were good enough that night above against you know the, the day they played Galway they needed to be better and Galway were probably the better team so Brian will I would expect him to focus on what's important and that's the most recent performance and that performance said we weren't good enough and, and, and he's very matter of fact about that in training from my experiences he will call a spade a spade and say it wasn't good enough and that we're now facing into a Leinster final on Saturday that stuff is is something that I would imagine he'll just it's in its place but it's not the important thing mm. I think he'll deal with that afterwards but the one thing that he will do is look Brian Cody doesn't back down he, you know he, he's in charge of Kilkenny he wants nothing more than a Kilkenny win on Saturday night and the rest of it is as he would see it is probably filler and the bit of drama that, that could come on the side and who knows I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the match because Brian has in the past got it right when a team hurts you the first day so I'm waiting to see you know, what do you think he'll do? Um, in terms of setup and yeah. that um, I think uh, they probably have to get the mix right I think the, the team has been unsettled this mob I mean they started the first two matches and went reasonably okay I was in at the leash match and I still felt while it was a com- comfortable win I, I, there wasn't enough cutthroat ruthlessness in Kilkenny that night and I think they will need to be very very clinical in front of goal I, th- I think they got turned back a few times when there was more goals there and they're the little things that maybe manifest when you hit better opposition but uh, I think he will look at it and say that they got shut down in both matches a little bit too easily and where I think he'll target is that the forwards did not work hard enough um, I've seen a graphic during the week of how good Galway are against opposition defence and how they got I think to 17 turnovers against Dublin something like that and if you look at the Kilkenny match I think they possibly got 116 from dispossessing Kilkenny players right so that is an area that he will look at but and I is think that is that always an attitude thing or is that a, a tactical it is, yeah, setup no, it's, it's, it's an attitude that thing that the players find themselves in position from the way they're set up that they're yeah, it, easily it, turned over it can, it can kind of um it can kind of uh, fall in under the tactical side of it and, and it maybe it straddles both tactical and kind of mindset but I think what, what what Brian has always kind of again from my experiences with him was that if the forwards are working hard and really chasing down hunting down opposition players when they have possession so that will be I think the first and foremost that middle area and at times they've done that they've done it really well but I think to be fair you know Dublin probably didn't present the challenge that maybe Kilkenny might have been spoken about as being a little bit better than they were against Dublin and they'd done what they had to do mm. but I don't think Dublin asked enough questions of Kilkenny and maybe that's why you know when they hit uh, Galway and Wexford they just came unstuck a little bit but I think it's it's a mindset is, is really what he'll go after this Saturday night So the amount of turnovers then that, that Galway are, are getting through like it sounds like Kilkenny of old the obvious mm. comparison is always going to be there as to what Shefflin has taken from all his time with Cody are you seeing 
similarities are you seeing signs from Henry Shefflin the coach that, that he learned from Cody and what are the bits that he's taken from Cody and that what are the bits that you see he's actually is very much Henry yeah well I've often said about where you know if you Henry he was probably one of the hardest working guys we had in the squad I think and even some of it we'll never know you know he was so meticulous about even diet everything I think if you look at Henry what made him what he was was he was obviously well able to hurl and, and, and class when he got his hands on the ball but he was still one of the hardest working guys we had in terms of you know hunting opposition down physically standing into opposition players and right from the first league match when Galway got a good win down in Limerick and albeit look Limerick were at a different place at the time but they probably put the foundations down that night of you know I think even was it Joseph Cooney you know sailed into William O'Donoghue right from the clash and left one in him like so it was more not stupidity but we're not going to get pushed around either that you have to engage and I think that has been the one thing that I'm seeing that was what made Henry maybe the player he was was that in his in his players and even you know a few years ago with Ballyhale yeah they have a really talented bunch but they worked really hard they, 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 they hunted down defenders they dispossessed them and I think that is what Galway are about at the moment because Galway have decent hurlers they're well able to hurl and they'll hurt you when they get their hands on the ball but it just there was an appetite for work and I think Thomas Monaghan is probably one of the ones that, that really epitomises that I've never you know his, his, his energy levels is phenomenal so yeah. that's I think what Galway are about first and foremost I don't think there's any tactical genius going on there they're able to adjust they adjusted to nullify own Cody's influence in Salt Hill by sitting back Parag Manion a little bit deeper but they work really really hard off the ball uh, and they forwards who were scoring as well and like Connor Cooney's been a bit of a revelation uh, all the focus when Henry took over was obviously about Joe Canning yeah. who is irreplaceable uh, and I wouldn't put Connor Cooney right there as of yet but he needed somebody yeah. to step up and take on that mantle of being somebody that could trust to start racking up scores yeah definitely and, and Connor is coming out of a, a massive campaign with his club where you know he was like even I, I thought the last couple of years his free taking has really you know he's he's really really accurate you know you look at the best free takers now I think they're only missing the real good lads are missing one if you miss more than two or three in a match you know it's probably the difference now at this level um, you look at maybe the night that Limerick and Warford Warford had two or three wides you know that night and that's what cost you so a good free taker is everything but it's probably even as much probably for Cooney as well as making him the centre point maybe of the attack maybe this, he's, he's there as the spine he's the, the go-to man as such and that's sometimes the trick as a coach is to, to get a lad to step up and to bring another drum on another little bit um, he has gone for a strong spine you know you have Whelan in there who's just a brilliant target mm. man and just an absolute animal for work he's just never bet he's so strong over the ball so he has probably given those that little bit of responsibility and you can say it's is it a little you know, a polish up of their ego, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's making a lad feel important. And and Cooney is now say, look, we need someone to fill that, fill that void or f- fill that role, and bring the other guys with you. And definitely, Conor Cooney has stepped up. What's your prediction for Saturday night? Oh sure, look, it's Kenny all the way. <laughs> um, it comes back to that. Yeah, I think, I think they'll have to pull out a huge performance. I think they're going to have to get. I, I'd like to see them tests you know Galway with something a little bit you know Brian has occasionally done that you know been able to put someone in a position that maybe the opposition weren't planning for and I think that's I think that's what has hurt Kilkenny in the last couple of matches we've been a fraction predictable I think we have lads in certain roles so maybe it's changed that up a little bit I mean is it a case of I'd like to see maybe as I'm talking about this while I'd like to see TJ inside there in around the square and feed him as much as we can own Cody then and others just moving around maybe interchanging a little bit from time to time but I think we have to play a smart game and it's obviously trying to get our really good players on the ball Um, but um, so I don't know will Kilkenny throw in a scud from the left perhaps I'm, I'm hoping they'll do something to make Galway think a little bit because I think if an opposition if you're planning and you sail in and the opposition play right into your hands it's great whereas it's just put put the doubt in their head yeah. and that could be something a little bit left field I think Owen Cody is equally capable of playing as a centre forward I think I'd love to see him go out there as well he's well capable inside he's a, he's a dog for punishment he's well able to go physically with a fella but I'd love to see him getting on ball as a centre forward in space and, and, and I'm breaking onto a lot of ball because I think he can really hurt a team Has Henry gone quiet in the WhatsApp group this week? 
I'm not in any WhatsApp groups what? with Henry so <laughs> there's, one, there's one there's one actually with three or four of us where the, the golden oldies trying to get a reunion going <laughs> but once Henry took the Galway job I think that was the end of that that was the end of that for a while anyways uh, Sunday then Semple Stadium there's a massive hype mm. around this game and a real sense that Clare can push Limerick like my sense is that Limerick you know, if they turn up they win this by 7 or 8 points am I totally underestimating what, what Clare are going to bring to the party that, that's guaranteed they're going to bring to the party yeah I I don't know I, I, I don't see that happening it's possible yeah it, it could happen um, you'd say if Clare maybe lose their focus just a little bit or they might you know start thinking they're better than they are maybe they might think oh, they start listening to the talk but I think there's valid talk too that they are good enough and they've done it in a very understated way but equally I think Brian Lone is the kind of guy that won't allow that I don't think he'd allow the guys to start easing up a little bit right. and I think that was very reflective in the way they approached the Watford match so it won't shock me if they were to to pull it off on Sunday but they're going to probably have to pull out the performance of all performances still but they do have um they do have the armory to do it I think and Shane O'Donnell has gone out there so it'll be interesting to see how they test Limerick because Limerick have been asked a lot of questions you know probably Flanagan and Kyle Hayes now are getting a little bit more fitter and Mm. back into the loop so it'll be interesting to see because Limerick generally don't deviate from their game plan they stick to the process really really well but I think in Ever Quilligan, Clare have a guy who can can hurt you a lot of ways, um, and I think you know even you look at Peter Duggan a full forward like he's he's again a guy that's not afraid to get physical in himself. In my case, he will relish that again. Um, you know the wide open spaces or the the spaces in Torless. So it's going to be intriguing because I think Clare are smart on the sideline. They're they're clever in what they do and they're able to adjust in game. But uh, but obviously still look like I said Limerick to be fair to them and we're all they're under pressure. They're you know the the, the pressure is, is is closing in on them a little bit. You know it's just the expectation. Going for four in a row in Munster. I think yeah, it's like forty so years since the county did that. You'd say sometimes teams are getting closer to them now so they have to get out by the skin of mm. their teeth but to be fair to them they keep answering those questions and it's a battle that they'll they'll relish I think they'll really relish this they look like a team that just love the challenges at the moment and the energy levels are there uh, The obvious tactical question will be about Tony Kelly and do Limerick man-mark Tony Kelly Do you expect them to? And if so who's who's the best man-marker? Uh, arguably their best man-marker look, is, is Sean Finn mm. um, but do Limerick want Sean Finn out around midfield or or that? So I think what you'll see with Limerick is I think they're very good to, to hand over. I think it's it's something, you know, you'd be watching on the high behinds and they're, they're very organised, their communication is good and, and they're straight away thinking, where's the danger? So they're not afraid to leave their men with a view to covering off the danger. But obviously you cannot leave someone like Tony Kelly marauding around the pitch unchecked. So I think what you're going to see is probably Dunhu and Dara Donovan will definitely share that work. They will help out with that. You know, Tom Morrissey drops deep, Hegarty drops deep, you know, so it could be that, you know, occasionally they'll be doubling up. They'll they'll definitely, if the ball is near him, they'll want to cut down the space that he has to operate in. Mm. And again, look, they play a physical game too. They won't be afraid to, you know, get get close to Tony Kelly, get a couple of hits on him because I think that's what you do. It's and and there's there's a legitimacy about that too. Like you're saying, look, if you get an opportunity to to let a lad know you're around, that's that's just part and parcel of the game. And obviously, do you think the, the rules, and I don't want to say the reputation around Limerick because it's probably a bit harsh, but the red cards that they've received it would be playing in their heads in any way around how they approach Tony Kelly and leaving one on him. Yeah, it 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 doesn't seem to have, and, and I think. In some ways, I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't tempered that a little bit. I think you have to taper your approach there. I think there's certain instances where you have to say, well, look, we have to be smarter. We have to be cute. You know, and I think that, rightly or wrongly, when you are All-Ireland champions and you're the team to beat, sometimes you may not get those 50-50 calls and sometimes that's just the nature of it. But from my experiences and what we were, we were saying, look, it doesn't matter about the ref we have to get our hands on the ball the match has to be played on our terms and that to me has to be Limerick's focus they work really hard off the ball I admire it absolutely but I think as a player and I've been you know you get involved sometimes silly you have to if you're giving a ref an opportunity you know I think that's where the smart players really come into their own that they go look it's being able to taper your approach and not get caught out like that because uh, I think sometimes we're seeing whether rightly or wrongly I think 
you just have to be smart about that. And if you're, if I'm, you know, say Garrod Hegarty, and and it's not fair maybe to to we're talking about this, but it is a talking point, like for him now. What's his best? How does he hurt teams on the scoreboard? He's devastating when he does that. So again, if I'm maybe John Kiley, and I'm not obviously, and and who am I to tell him to do his job? But you be kind of saying to him, listen, don't mind all the noise, don't mind getting dragged into all that stuff. Yeah. Smile and take it. Just burst through it and hurt them where it really really matters and that's on the scoreboard every single time because he's a freak of nature in terms of his fitness and his hurling ability the last day I think I've seen him cutting the ball over the bar like from midfield on the run and he moved the ball from left over to right which you, you don't see your golfers doing so that's what he's capable of from 17-80 yards yeah uh, the problem with Limerick is they have a lot of freaks of nature it feels like they do and none more so I a guy I really admire and he's he gets kudos in fairness but maybe he goes about it in such an understated way as Tom Morrissey I just love the way he goes about his business he just glides past defenders and yet he doesn't get knocked he do, he's able to get in his tackles and he is still in the, in the days this year that they've struggled he has come up with really big scores for them and if you have two guys like that I mean they're just for, for a manager they're a joy having someone like that in your team is just gold what about from Clare's defensive point of view then and Galan uh, if they don't have a JJ Delaney or a, a Jackie Tyrrell uh, Rory Hayes is having a fine season would you put him in a Galan? Um, no possibly not I think there's, there's other guys there but I think I think Cleary is made for Galan I right. think they've they locked horns in the league earlier on you know where Galan you know lashed out and I just think that's probably the the match there because he will test them every way and look occasionally Galan has got drawn into that a little bit so I think I think that the the matchups are going to be intriguing alone that that once the ball is thrown in and after the first two or three minutes that's quickly always the scurry who's marking who what have they done oh look they've you know I think Cleary will go with with Galan because he plays inside in the edge of the square and I think he, he loves that role so but Rory Hayes yeah could he do a job on him I think he would um, but again Galan is so elusive at times he's really good under a dropping ball so maybe from that point of view Cleary takes the box from the the, the height side I heard uh, the lads uh, Skehill and Paul Murphy saying that maybe Rory Hayes was the best cornerback in the country right now yeah he's not far off it in fairness he's up there with the, the top three or four you know you're looking at someone like 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 Finn is obviously the, the benchmark forward but I think Hayes is, is right up there beside him um there's a few like like you'd say you know was Owen O'Donnell as a full back up to now um, but yeah I think if you were turning around and maybe picking he's a footballer he's, he's gone to the football now yeah he's gone to the dark he spent side. all that time asking about <laughs> Khan and it turns out they're still going the other way um, but yeah look I think if if you're looking at your your benchmark of your your if you were to say pick a fancy team in the morning definitely you know a full back line that has um, Rory Hayes and even Conor Cleary in it they're, they're up there with any of them so um, but Rory Hayes and cornerback and, and Sean Finnage are two cornerbacks I think you'd be more than happy facing into whatever the opposition have So by the sounds of it you think this will be a tight game? Yeah I do I think it'll go down to the wire because I do think Clare have huge huge impetus coming into this and equally look could one of the teams go mad at the start they're, they're capable of it but I just think this is just set up to be an absolutely rip-roaring match maybe we'll be disappointed it mightn't be the spectacle we're expecting it could be a low-scoring match but I, I just think the intensity levels of this are going to be phenomenal and I think obviously the bench for Limerick has been so good for them so it's it's when it's coming down the 15 minutes to go and legs are really starting to flag a little bit it's when Clare or when Limerick do unload the bench you know have, have Clare something because I do think Clare have a good bench as well so it'll be it'll be intriguing because uh, I think we're seeing with Hurland now that definitely it's such a high octane uh, game with 15 minutes to go there's definitely lads on the pitch you know your five subs are mm. so important to see it out for you uh, so in that regard it's going to be intriguing but I, it's just it's an old school one I, I just think it's almost a throwback to that famous 96 match I think it's on that level because if any team wants to take down Limerick it will be clear and look there's, there's, there's obviously a storied rivalry there yeah. and I think it's just beautifully set up for a Munster final Eddie, great stuff. We went off on a few old tangents in the end oh, yeah. there, but uh, brilliant. It's going to be a cracking weekend. Enjoy it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Should be good.